Uh, welcome everyone to Pen Pen Pals. This is episode 10 of Darling in the Franks. I'm Alex. Hey, and this is Brian. Hey, this is Ben. And today we're coming at you with a new guest from kind of the Darling in the Franks community, uh, Caplin. Hello, it me. Uh, welcome to the show. We're really happy to have you on. We're really glad you could step in on pretty short notice. And uh, before we get into anything else, can I ask you, what is your experience with uh, Darling in the Franks? Have you watched it a lot? Yeah, yeah yes, yes. My, my experience with the show itself has been nothing but really enjoyable because the first time I was watching it, it was just like a whirlwind of emotions because that's just how the show mm. goes. But when I finally started watching it with friends, it was just a lot of fun sharing it with them and watching them go through the same things that I did. And also seeing their reactions and like theories about like what would happen. And then I mm-hmm. know what does or does not happen. We get a little bit of that here. We've got a lot of fun sound effects going on. Yeah. So sorry. <laughs> was that the FF7, the uh, Rio whatever music uh it's actually one of the default iphone ringtones but i picked it because it sounds like that i was like wait (laughs) why is this on my phone oh awesome okay so you watched it a whole bunch yes and then the reason we found you right is that you write a darling in the franks fan fiction is that accurate i i just started i started it last wednesday i i wrote that first chapter in a day because I was stupid and it's 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 I think it's definitely better than chapter two but I mean all downhill from here baby no no it'll get better it'll it'll get way better yeah absolutely when you have time that's cool yeah so that I, I I posted that that was my first post on reddit that was my first post in the darling in the French community and that was my first fan fiction and then oh, right. I was just searching through new because mm-hmm. I I was like, oh, how far down in it is mine? And then I saw your guys' post and I was like, a darling at the Franks podcast. I want to be on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you ever been on a podcast before? No, not at all. Oh, oh cool. All right. A whole bunch uh, of firsts. Hey. We get a lot of first time guests. Uh, we, we source very local. Farm fresh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anything, anybody have anything cool in their week? Any news from the anime community, Brian? Um, Attention passengers, please maintain contact with your personal belongings at all times. This is all going in. Is Ben at the airport? No. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Wait, what did you think was going on, Alex? I thought you were on uh, in a metro station. Uh, yeah, I'm at the airport. Did not plan this out the best, maybe. <laughs> okay. But I did actually have anime news, but it's not new news. This is a little bit old. Okay, going back to June, uh, there was an announcement about a beloved uh, mech anime franchise called Macross or Robotech in the United States. Uh, there was a long distribution rights dispute between Studio New and a combination of um, Harmony Gold and Big West. Oh, I know about this. Uh, and the official license was concluding in 2021. And now there was some weird announcement that uh, all the parties got together and came to a mutual agreement to extend the contract instead of terminating it, which seemed like would have been in Studio New's best interest. 
just to like have total control. But uh, Harmony Gold is going to be releasing Macross stuff in the United States for the first time in I don't know how long. I think Macross Plus was the last thing that was distributed in the U.S.? Probably. I mean, I got access to that. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, but we missed Christ out on... I already found TSA to be intrusive, and now <laughs> <laughs> they're in our podcast. You can't escape TSA. <laughs> anyway, uh, cool things on the horizon. Awesome. Last time on The Love Quadrilateral, Goro worked out some staring issues and his seven-year itch to give Ichigo a hairpin. The parasites all received psychologically revealing presents, a pretty sad yearly salary for professional Jaeger pilots, Zero Two got a dead girl's mirror to match her dead girl's partner, and we got a Klaxosaur design to match with the most esoteric Evangelion angels. Miko and Zorame underestimated the stickiness of our floaty, brainy, jelly, explodey monster of the week. And though they failed to kill themselves, they succeeded in trapping Delphinium within the Klaxosaur's body, right before Goro ejected Ichigo to safety, without her consent. Goro got the mini bottle episode experience as he recalled his younger days of beating up other children with Ichigo. Zero Two gave Ichigo an idea for a one in a thousand plan to dive into a blowhole and reunite with Goro. With little support from Nana and Hachi and no reinforcement of her parasuit, Ichigo dove through the Zerg Overlord's flammable fuel and swam into its gooey core, narrowly averting Goro's self-destructive suicide attempt. With a triumphant leap, Delphinium was free, and Goro got the time he needed to save those four little words. You lost your hair clip. Will the character studies keep on rolling? Will Ichigo and Zero Two become fast friends? Does Zorame dream of electric parents? Let's find out. Very nice. Thanks. All right. Everyone's ready. Three, two, one, play. I have the same dream over and over again. In it, for some reason, I'm surrounded by darkness, staring at a distant bright light and crying. Gradually, the light grows larger until it envelops me. And I let out a loud scream. I love this intro so much. Yeah, I'm supposed to learn it, but I have trouble memorizing Japanese lyrics. So. <laughs> I have the tune down now. So Ben is usually the one who makes uh, audio processing observations. As the light was growing brighter, mm-hmm. the sound effect was a time-stretched scream. Mm. Um, it's kind of easy to miss unless you know what like time compression ex- expansion effects sound like. Do they look? Do they sound like sound effects from the thing? <laughs> I didn't realize until last week that the bird of paradise flower, the Strelitzia, does actually have that blue horn effect on some flowers. Mm. Does this mean the imbalances caused by individualized Franks can be an asset to the squad? Any such oh, that's Marmoset. That's the one of the, the characters that I'm writing right now. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, Marmoset and so Tarzier are interesting ones. This whole crew creeps me out. I'm thinking it's about time we move squad. Like how wide his eyes are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tarzier. Have you seen their eyes? No. Okay. Terrifying little animals. I'm just thinking about something. Uh oh. Your twos getting more and more disconnected. This is a truly great honor. 
I hope you consider this day what a weird pants. I hate how the adults look in this anime. Oh, gross. And make it's awful. Contributions to Which is great, meditation. right? Yeah, they're off. I can't see it their eyes. Makes me upset. And there lies Uzorame. I mean, he bailed so hard. Much more somber tone than uh, our previous episodes, I'd say. Yeah. Ben, are you still in the airport? Ben has died. Hey, sorry. It took me a second to unmute. Yes, I'm going to be in the airport. I don't think I can find anywhere quieter. Anna Vieira, please report immediately to gate 42B for the boarding of your flight. I don't miss air travel. I haven't traveled no. by air in so long. Good riddance. No, I'm kidding. If <laughs> if you want to go across the country, like it, you know, you can turn 30 hours into six hours, right? Uh, I live in Montana. I went down to visit one of my friends in Arizona. And like, maybe I'm just a sucker for driving by myself. But like, those are probably the, the best parts of that trip was the drives. I hope your friend from Arizona doesn't hear this. He's going to be like, what? <laughs> we have, a, we have a, a, a weird sense of humor with each other. She'd probably laugh. <laughs> yeah, Alex has done a, not just drive across the country, but almost like a big circle around. Yeah, I did a loop up to New York and then like over to Minnesota and then Seattle and then California and then all the way over to Georgia, I think was my last stop to see you, Ben. Yeah. Do you go through Montana? I'm sure I did, I guess. If I go straight from Minnesota over to Seattle, will I go through Montana? Uh, maybe. Let's say yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know my geography that well. Worst drive I ever had to do was uh, New Orleans to Riodosa, New Mexico. A lot of flat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, desert with nothing to look at for yeah. hours i just checked and yeah you would absolutely go through montana you'd go through the pretty parts of montana too Ooh, i've been through the pretty parts of montana ben <laughs> you just have no memory of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true i'm just old now that was like a decade ago okay so city of eternity we start this episode with uh cold open of zora may there's like this light at the end of the tunnel. He says he has this recurring dream where he's coming out of this tunnel. There's a light and he screams and the bat, the scream becomes this battle cry as Argentia uh, attacks a Klaxosaur. Zorome likely has like prenatal memories, like mm -hmm. memories in utero. Is that a real thing? Yeah. A lot of people do. What? Mm -hmm. How's that possible? There's like, a defense mechanism because it's you know birth is traumatic and mm -hmm. most people uh those things are uh suppressed you know just to protect yourself mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of people have i don't know if it's a lot but there are people that have memories of birth that's crazy so this is a nightmare for him this is a traumatic experience he goes through every night yeah these aren't good memories oh okay i think for like uh maybe less of a psychology and more of a neuroscience standpoint, you know, the neuroscientists aren't sure about like why very young kids don't have 
many memories, right? So they're like learning words, they're learning how to do stuff. But then when you think back about your life, oftentimes you don't have memories before three or four, unless something really emotional happens. Sometimes you can have earlier memories. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. There is this, I've heard, this is more, I think, a fringe theory than like a scientific thing, but the idea that uh, people's alien abduction stuff that that could be like a birth memory or something like that and that's why aliens like often don't have like mouths and stuff like that but that could be like the medical masks and you know like the bright lights of the operating room or whatever and whoa like a full memory of being born that's terrifying yeah i don't think i'd want to remember that (laughs) (laughs) zorame remembers it every night so maybe if some of his showboating and maybe some of his uh, eagerness to become an adult, maybe that's what he's looking forward to. He's like, well, maybe adults don't have these dreams anymore. But we get these cool looking Klaxosaurus that can really place. They look like bipedal, kind of like big lumbering dinosaur things. But Brian, you pointed out that when they go for the core, the core doesn't look reptilian. The core looks Yannick, right? Very much like a, a birth canal. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Strelitzi is supposed to do the kill shot. Uh, and Zorome is very excited and goes in and takes over. And I guess Miku is cross again. And she's telling him to get out of the way because the inevitable big blue splash is going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Usually it's like this huge explosion or a mushroom cloud or it rains blue. <laughs> Uh, but in this case, um, she just gets splooshed, and um, I'm the father of two children, and I've assisted both births. And to me, this looked a lot like after the child is born, the afterbirth comes out, and it is very, very gory. And maybe that was just in my head because we were just talking about like this sort of like birth memory or whatever. Mm-hmm. It seems on theme. Sure. Well, it tracks. And we're getting pretty consistent yonic imagery uh we had that um oh the passageway through like the cliffside in that other episode we had the brain bugs kind of looked like that uh they're big open mouths and i wonder if that's is that like just an anime thing or is it a japanese thing do they not shy away from yonic imagery the way that a lot of other cultural landscapes do I don't even know what Yonic imagery is. You're going to, how is this spelled? So uh, phallic is uh, things that look like a penis. Yonic is things that uh, look like a vagina. Yeah, I'm not sure. Nothing really comes to mind. I feel like you see it a lot in like American like horror movies and stuff like that. You know, oh, that's true. Hmm. Anyways, the Lamarck Club has their eyes close on Squad 13. They liken them to ancient warriors and they're like, that's the easiest way to motivate people. Give them a reward. I think it works on everyone, but who they want it to work on. They're speculating about what these children, uh, what's going to appeal to them. They have to like cite ancient history. They seem out of touch, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, where are we? They, Old habits. Uh, z- 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Zorame and Miku, they're arguing. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought this was an interesting thing. Like, Miku and Zorome go at it again, and it's just like a sitcoms kind of scene. Hero's watching, and he goes to comment to Zero Two, and uh, she's just like disassociating. Uh, she's kind of in a dark place, and this is where my headcanon jumps in because we've seen Zero Two like she warms up, 
across a few episodes and now she's like pulling back mm-hmm. and you know i have nothing to base this on okay it's just my speculation but when i'm seeing zero two in this scene to me she's like contemplating maybe hero's not my darling Body. you know we're all together now the happy family but like wh- what is this is this what she had been hoping for her whole life is this what she was searching for you know she's just a partner in a squad killing claxosaurs mm-hmm. is that the end game because she's not happy. She's very much so not happy. No, she's not happy, but I think she's not happy for very specific reason, right? Like we had one visceral event and we come back to it at the end of this episode and that's the mirror, right? Mm-hmm. Because she has been happy because she's been focused on hero. Mm-hmm. She's been able to kind of lay her problems to the side for a while and explore this new relationship and not kill Klaxosaurs every day, you know, and, and, and go on walks with Hero and go into the library and, and do all of these normal kid things. But now she has this mirror and mirrors can be really, you know, powerful, transformative things, but they can also be just the worst reminder of everything we hate about ourselves or maybe just a reminder that nothing lasts forever. And is there an end game? So she, the mirror was probably not a good gift then. <laughs> like now she's got this thing that's making her focus on herself. Well, yes. I mean, like her focusing on herself isn't a bad thing in and of itself, but without any guidance, you know, she's not going to therapy. And the only thing akin to therapy or medical treatment that she has access to, uh, we get a mention of it here. Nana's like, I'll arrange for you to undergo testing while we're in the city. And she's like, nope. I'll pass on the test for a while. Thanks. I'm not doing those. I I doubt it's like modern psychotherapy, but like whatever happens in those tests, she fucking hates it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she has no guidance yeah. right now. So the parasites are going to be allowed into the city. This is unheard of. This is maybe never happened for a parasite squad. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is very exciting for all of them. Uh, and they have to put on their, uh, I think since the, from the first time, oh, maybe they put it on when they talk to like squad 26, but uh, they have to put on their formal wear, right? Their dress uniforms. Uh, and Caitlin, you had a, a, a neat, you saw something or asked something about the coats. Oh yeah. I was confused about like why they were X's. It might've gotten swallowed up by the audio of the show, but I think someone answered and said that it was because uh, it completed their chromosomes. Right, right, right. Okay, so making adding an X to the boys, making them XY, and a, 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 an X to the uh, the girls, making them XX. That makes sense. And also uh, something about making them all like uniform, because I also mentioned that earlier was was uh, how they were talking about making a uniform world. Yeah, I think that was specifically Marmoset said that was talking mm-hmm. about how like they were unique, but that could be a bad thing. Oh yeah, Ape thinks that their individuality is a mistake. They're all surprised when one of them says like, wait, 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 the irregularities of having personalized Franks can be an asset. They're a bunch of weirdos. Totally. I like Marmoset, though. The design is cool. And I like Tarzi. The big, big eyes makes it look like an owl. That's what he always reminded me of. Yeah, I thought he was an owl before I realized that the whole thing was the primate theme. Yeah, me too. So I, I don't know if like to me, this next scene is endearing, but I can see it being annoying to other people. You know, Zoro May is usually the one dishing it out. 
but you know he's just on cloud nine and everyone else gets to like rib him a little bit mm-hmm. it's all seems in good fun i liked it he's getting his basically his live stream and this we kind of got a hint of in the beach episode right where he kind of goes on that tirade about what an honor it is to do all this stuff for for the adults yeah and, yeah exactly yeah. Like, like he goes on about it and it's like whoa this is such a big honor to like we don't have they they're so smart because they get to live in like the big glowy cities because they're so cool and so smart and then like they get <laughs> you get to that scene where he gets to go into the big the big glowing city with all the really smart people and he's just kind of like screams happiness and he doesn't do anything else and it's like i i just kind of expected more personally one one thing I'll say for Mitsuru, um, he didn't uh, bust on Zorome, and maybe this is Mitsuru growing, like because he usually is really shitty to people, and the best he can do is just not say anything. He's mm. only really mean to Hiro, though, like ever. He's mean to Ikuno. Well, not mean, I don't know. Abrasive. They do act like they know each other. So maybe you're right. Maybe Zorome could have more of a reaction. Like he definitely has a like the most visible and uh, uh, visceral reaction when they're actually in the room, when they're being congratulated by this adult. Your efforts have been splendid too. Keep it up in the battles to come. I will. Thank you very much, sir. That's what I wanted to see. That's what I wanted to see when he was being told that they could go into the city was that reaction. Okay. So maybe when he's initially told, he goes into kind of a state of shock. Mm. Or maybe, you know, young people, like, they can have really (laughs) disappointing things happen to them before they're this age, even. So, like, maybe he's like, oh, that's a great idea. But we'll see if it happens. And once they pass through, like, they're all reticent to pass through this. It's a really cute moment, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Because they haven't been able to go through these hologram doors before and so they nobody wants to take that step they almost as if it's you know it's going to be a prank but zorame is the one and he even like jumps forward and falls flat on his face too right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was pretty funny it was very good so yeah they get to get their medals they meet the uh adult representative or ambassador or whatever this guy is pretty sure he's the mayor of the plantation oh is that what those weird pants were all about? <laughs> Is it like mayor pants? Yeah, mayor pants. Because <laughs> they all have the same headdress, so you got to have something yeah. to differentiate you. Uh, and like Ichigo is just like so over the top, and Goro looks at her sideways. Yeah, and then poor uh, Zorome, he wants to shake the dude's hand, and he gets denied. Has that ever happened to any of you? You ever gone to shake someone's hand, and they're like, "Uh, that's not happening." Oh, yeah. It's a bummer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like one of the most disrespectful things I've ever experienced. And it's not like they offered an alternative or an explanation. They're just like, mm-hmm. no, I'm going to turn away and walk away. I was like, cool. Guess mm. I'm not human and you are. Or something. Like that. <laughs> I'm not human and you are. Yeah. I think I, I just think it's because Zorame is a child. Zorame is exposed to a bunch of things that the humans, the other humans aren't skin contact and all that kind of stuff. Oh, mm, I didn't even yeah. put that together. Because it kind of defeats the entire purpose of encouraging. Because I imagine Abe communicated that, right? You're going to give mm. these kids medals to encourage them to perform better. Kind of defeats the entire purpose if you're just going to be rude about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I thought that there had to be a bigger reason. And mm-hmm. so I started thinking like, oh, well, the kids aren't immortal and they don't have access to all this medical equipment that the humans have. But they also have access to this like, forest like i live in montana and like 
Montana is not the most hygienic place because there's just so much nature <laughs> everywhere. Oh, so like the adults can't live outside of the city. Yeah, but not just because it's a desert. I, I agree with that. We do have this scene later on, you know, the guards show up to the apartment with Sorame and they talk about, you know, these filthy children. And, <laughs> right. So it seems like there's something weird with, um, you know, maybe that these plantations are these sterile spaces and that's part of why the children aren't normally allowed to go in. So they're like, taking a little bit of a risk by bringing them in, but it's kind of fine until Zora May goes off script and, and ends up in this woman's place. Mm-hmm. And, and she keeps on saying that her tiredness is because she hasn't talked to someone in so long, but then you kind of wonder if he has infected her or something like that. Mm. Something about his presence is like negatively affecting her health. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Well, let's, let's hurry up and get there. So Zarme stares at his hand after the adult won't shake it. What do you think he's feeling here? A lot of shame. Yeah. I don't shake people's hands just because I don't like doing anything with other people unless they initiate it. Oh. But, but like it always hurts me whenever they don't. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine it's even worse if you do initiate it and they still just don't. Their rejection's yeah. extra tricky at that age, right? Yeah. It's kind of interesting, too, with the shot of Zero Two looking at her fangs, that maybe it's kind of, he's feeling a similar way. Like, is there something wrong with my, is there something wrong with me? Oh. Yeah, because they're not exactly treated nice their entire lives. Right. I guess I hadn't thought about it this way, but this is the first time. So Zero Two has been the outsider in the group this entire time. But this is the first time we've we've seen that our group is exceptional, but we haven't seen them be outsiders yet. Yeah, they're all outsiders here in the big glowy city. So it's kind of an underwhelming experience, right? It was like a five minute talk and they didn't shake hands and they're like, all right, Go back to your rooms and wait till you have to kill more Klaxosaurus. But Miku and Kokoro have this great idea. They're like, hey, like this is a treat. Can we spend a little more time? And we'll just walk back. This is a really great idea. Um, Somewhere in there, Ikuno shames Futoshi. Futoshi's like, you know, it's another joke about him. But he's like, I was really hoping there would be a feast or something, which you know, also reasonable, especially if we're mimicking ancient reward rituals for your uh, soldiers. Traditions. Yeah, but I just felt bad that Ikuno like shamed him. It was kind of harsh. But anyways, they they do take this walk back and Zero Two and Hero kind of hang back from the group and get a little time to talk to themselves. Uh, or they don't really get anywhere, right? Because Zero's, she's like reverting in on herself. She's like becoming standoffish. She's you know, like she's got something to say, but she can't spit it out. Uh, have you ever tried to have a conversation with someone who just didn't offer anything? Like <laughs> everything. <laughs> yes. Uh, it really sucks. Yeah. And, you know, like it seems like Hero and Zero Two would have gotten past that. But he's asking her about like, hey, you know, you said this cities are cold and lifeless. And she's like, yeah. I meant exactly that. That's what I said. That's what I meant. <laughs> It's like, it could have been a great conversation, sir, because like she's obviously been in these cities before and this is their first time having a stroll around. She's like, oh, yeah. And you know what? That is the power plant. Let me tell you some funny stuff. Nope. (laughs) It reminds me of this funny anecdote. Um, I went apple picking with my wife when we were newlyweds and it was so romantic and we were so happy. 
and we passed by this SUV that was just like blasting Ramstein. <laughs> there was just there was this teenager just sitting there like with his arms crossed, you know, by himself in this SUV, like with the music blasting. And we walked past and she was like, stupid apple picking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's what I thought about with uh Hero and Zero Two. <laughs> like Zero Two is just stupid city of eternity. <laughs> yeah, and she has a real affinity for nature, right? Oceans, mm-hmm. trees, um, Montana, Montana, <laughs> right? Zero Two's favorite vacation spot. <laughs> do you have horse riding in Montana? Do you ride horses in Montana? I, I do not ride horses, okay. but there is horse riding in Montana. Okay, good, good, good. Oh, that's another thing, actually, just to point out really quick. We don't see any vegetation at all in the city. Mm. It is like completely lifeless other than the humans living inside of it. So Zero Two was right, right? She was like, that's what I said. That's what I meant. Like literally. Yeah. Yeah. It's sterile, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no no weeds in the crevices. Yeah. But it's also like a ghost town. We see while we're inside, I think we have contact with three adults. There's like, Mm. there's the mayor. There's one Zorame sees but walks away. And then there's the one that he actually talks to. For the longest time, I thought the last two were the same person. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, huh. Oh, just one one, uh, plug for Goro before we move on. Mm -hmm. When they have the awkward glance between Goro and uh, Ichigo, I I really like that Goro just addresses the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's mature. It's, It's the classy move. And it works. She smiles and they lighten up. Yeah. Yeah, so then this is where we really get into the story, right? Everyone's moving on. Go, uh, Goro May. Zoro May gets distracted. <laughs> yeah, that's our uh, ship couple. We want those two to end up together. That sounds like a very <laughs> awful ship name. What? That's the best ship name. Goro May. Anyways, so right after Nana gets done saying everyone stay together, he immediately gets distracted. Uh, it's so... ADHD. It's very familiar to me. Very suited to his character. Like his mm-hmm. character, his partner, the way he pilots his Franks. He is always moving. Like almost always. Mm-hmm. But this is out of character for him, right? Maybe not. Well, maybe it's not in like that way, but he's he do, oh, disobeys a direct order from an adult, Nana, mm-hmm. which is not his style, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think mm-hmm. he considers like Nana an adult? Oh, I think that he only obeys Nana. Essentially, he he only he only obeys Papa, right? And Nana is where his orders from Papa comes from. But now he's really curious about Papa and the city that he's made, so he wants to go explore that instead and wants to get closer to Papa that way. I think is kind of what's going on. Hmm. Maybe it's not that Nana isn't an adult, but she's not like one of the adults that they're like protecting. Like he's never. Yeah, met. that's what I thought. These like city people. Ah, she's a proletariat. She's a working human. The city people are bourgeoisie. This is incorrect. While the adults in the city bear more resemblance to petty bourgeoisie and are highly reminiscent of the Eloy from the time machine, Nana is military or professional managerial class. <laughs> so like is adult also a title in this universe that means something specific Hmm. that that hasn't been differentiated for us yet i mean i guess that's true i mean it's a demarcation right like adults live in the city children live outside the city adults do this children do other things that would explain why he doesn't 
think of Nana as an adult, if that's mm. the case, because he kind of just adheres to those teachings to the letter, not the spirit of them. Well, every adult they've dealt with, even though they have different headpieces, you can't see their eyes. Yeah. But Nana and Hachi, you can see their eyes. Mm. So Zoramir wanders off on his own, right? Mm -hmm. Gets stuck up on this platform. He tries to call for an adult to help him. And when one of them ignores him, he instead decides to uh, make his way down there on his own, kind of jumping from pipe to pipe. But as he gets down a couple of pipes, he sees another adult below him, freaks out and just face plants into, we assume these are metal pipes. This is a lot of damage, but he's miraculously pretty unharmed. And he goes head over heels down those things. And that adult is also like shocked to see him. So we had one adult kind of scurry off. And now the second adult mm -hmm. was kind of like freaked out. Mm -hmm. Disgusting. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he takes a blow to the head, which will alter his perception forever. Uh, and when he comes to, he is inside of this adult's apartment who is still wearing the headpiece. But this is, again, unprecedented. Children do not do this. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of weird reveals in this scene. Right. The adult mentions that uh, she couldn't treat Zorome with like the healing pad. She had to put it on pet setting. That's weird. Yeah. So their medical technology that presumably she uses and the rest of the citizens doesn't work on these kids. It feels so derogatory, especially because like we have never seen a pet at all in the show. So I don't know why they have a pet setting. Ichigo has a little stray cat. That yeah, is. but that's the child's world. That's sure, not sure, a sure, sure, sure. Thing. Sure. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't know why they have pet settings if they don't have any pets. Uh, the other interesting thing is uh, the host uh, takes off the headdress and she has the same color eyes as Zorome. Mm -hmm. What are the odds? Well, purple eyes. I don't know what the odds on those are. I was just going to say the thing I was surprised by, I didn't notice the eyes, but just that how old the woman was, you know, mm. I just kind of had the default assumption that she's just going to be like in her thirties or forties or something like that. And then it's kind of this elderly woman. Bottom half of everyone's face is like perfectly smooth. <laughs> like everyone's face is young. And even in the adults, the parts of them that you see are really young too. So I was kind of surprised by that when I first watched as well. So yeah, the, the, the pet mode thing is lost on Zoro May because he's just starstruck to be in the adult's house. And I don't even know if he pays attention when she's like going around uh, disinfecting everything he touched. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like at least wait till he's gone. But she serves him tea and these colored balls mm -hmm. uh, that he apparently they're delicious. Uh, Zoro May is super into them. If I was Japanese, I would assume that those were dangos. Okay. Uh, the white, green, and pink mochis with a uh, azuki bean paste inside. Okay. I could sing the jingle song for you. Oh my God, please. Dango, 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 dango. That's it? <laughs> That's all I remember. Okay. <laughs> it's the cutest thing from a super sad anime called Clanad. Anyway, uh, hungry for answers. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She's going to go call the cops or whatever. And he's like, hey, wait, like, I freaking love adults. Can we just like chat it up a little bit first? Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, OK, kid. <laughs> and then like she's man, a lot more weird stuff comes up. Yeah. Right. Like there's the stuff about like partners and like it's an ancient tradition. And 
as she starts talking about it, you're like, oh, she's in a relationship. Like, oh, this is not like a relationship. There's no intimacy here. There's something really weird going on. Why is this guy in some VR chamber? Like, I assume having VR sex or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, she says something about like, you know, stimulating the reward parts of his brain. Like, I thought it was more, mm-hmm. there's literally like an electorate in his brain to this, just giving him pure pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> I think just that's what the, it is too. The sensation of pleasure to the extent yeah. that like she doesn't even appreciate the food and the tea and stuff like that anymore right it's just kind yes of like... adults don't have to eat very strange and uh the partner in the pleasure tube or emotion tube because she says he's getting his daily dose of happiness right so presumably you can make that pleasure tube give you whatever emotion you want for the day which is very similar to uh do android dream of electric sheep the the novel that uh got turned into blade runner right mm-hmm. one of the pieces of technology in it is something you sit by your bedside and it's like a rotary telephone and you dial what emotion you need to feel mm-hmm. that day yeah the mood organ yeah really dark thing yeah this is kind of messed up and the the creepiest thing is his face right he has this smile on but it's a silent shot. So it's like a smile devoid of all context, which is terrifying to me. Especially when it opens up even wider and it's just not a smile at that point. He looks like he's ready to eat something. We do have this uh, drone in the background here, right? You know, the music is saying like, this is something sinister, right? Definitely. The other really strange thing is like when she was first talking to Zora May about her partner, and like the, the type of pairing that they have, there's these quick flashes of sexual intercourse. Mm-hmm. There's no explanation. The way I took it is she's had sex with this guy. If that's the case, that could be important later. But I don't really think that this is just an artistic license of just like flash some provocative stuff while we're talking about something. Well, like those frames their color composition are so different from what we're Mm -hmm. seeing on screen. So like how long ago was that to the point where when I saw, when I saw the hands and the faces really quick, I was like, are these the same people? Is this her memory? Because it just seems so alien. And maybe, maybe the quickness of it, you're right, Brian, like maybe the quickness of it is to be like, that's all that's left is just a flash. It's not even a full memory anymore. Yeah. So again, I'll turn it to Ben. What do you think all this means so far? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like maybe if I was just spitballing, right, it's kind of like society has progressed to this extent where like, you know, people have almost have immortality. They're, they're kind of in this isolated, walled off world and they have their pleasure tubes or whatever, but they've also <laughs> just... Uh, lost the lost the plot they're so insulated from everything that gotten too disconnected from their humanity Mm, that's an excellent way of putting it and you know and maybe this is like the first generation that this happened to right like they weren't born already in this world so maybe she has her flashes of life before before she was kind of stuck in this plantation but that she's been there for a very long time Mm. Okay, so the other question about this, she's just having a conversation and it wipes her out. Mm-hmm. Now, there, there is speculation about like maybe 
she's being exposed to this kid's germs cooties (laughs) (laughs) but uh i don't know to me like my first thought was just like uh an introvert getting worn out by a big social engagement but this is like times a hundred she doesn't talk to her partner she doesn't remember the sound of his voice Mm. so is this the first interpersonal interaction she's had in like years decades yeah he is very tired and then yeah zorame like he starts out complaining about miku oh yeah and then the adults like hey you should just change partners like it's just that easy like that's an option i do appreciate how he hears that and then he immediately goes ah no only i get to make fun of miku yeah but it's like he's put he's piecing things together as he's talking yeah, he talks about how like oh is that why I can is that why male female partners are needed to pilot the Franks? Yeah, now he has not had the benefit that Goro has had with these like very specific conversations with Hero about relationships and attachment and intimacy. Mm-hmm. Like he's just suddenly working this out. I think that's pretty impressive, even if he's like not all the way there. Sure. It's impressive that any young person grasps any of these concepts. Like even (laughs) with guidance, it's a lot to handle. And yeah, it is impressive to see someone kind of, you know, logically working this out in the moment. And maybe it's because, you know, he was asked the right question or pushed in the right way by this adult. So in a way, he is getting some guidance from this adult, even if the adult isn't meaning to give it to him. Yeah. Can I jump back for a second to the those flashbacks that she was having. So, so I just rewatched that section and, and she says something interesting. So she says, oh, that seems so uncomfortable. Um, you had to rely on someone else. And, you know, I guess in the context, maybe it's like these people used to have to get their pleasure from their partners. They had to rely on their partner to do that. But then now they just have this machine that kind of gives them the pleasure on their own and they don't have to depend on their, on their partner to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about this show as like, you know, a metaphor for all this stuff with like sex and intimacy and stuff like that. I could imagine this is like pornography or something like that, you know, that you used to have to actually derive that pleasure from your partner, but now, now there are machines you know, they, they can kind of get that that stimulation on their own. From one angle, they're free, or this adult feels like she is freed from having to rely on her partner for that. But in a much greater way, she has to rely on other people for everything. She has no independence anymore. You know, she can get up when she wants and walk when she wants and go into the pleasure tube when she wants, but she cannot step outside of the city. She cannot do anything that is in any way meaningful to her own existence, the existence of the people around her. And it's like sharply focused when she says, uh, Zorme says something about like, I just kind of felt like we're connected, like maybe you could protect me. And she says, Oh, you have that wrong. I can't protect you at all. You're protecting me. The adults, they're free, but free to do what? Yeah, that's that's the thing that bugged me about this episode so much is that like they have everything, but nothing at the same time. Right. <laughs> Whereas the pilots, uh, the parasites, they have relatively no freedom, right? All their life is planned for them they're required to do this job 
They do not have pleasure tubes, but everything they do is of consequence. Like every emotional outburst they have affects their Frank's piloting. Every conversation they have with each other deepens their bonds of solidarity and makes them better co-soldiers, right? Like makes them better comrades. So like everything they're doing has a major impact on this world. Whereas these adults, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. So this kind of bumps me out. And to me, right, this is like kind of like modernity, right? We live in the modern world where we don't have to worry about starving most of the time, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we we have all these comforts and an easier life, but yeah, maybe we're kind of missing steaks and uh, all of us that don't live in Montana, maybe, you know, (laughs) kind of isolated from nature and yeah. But Brian, you said this bummed you out. Care to elaborate? Yeah, man. Yeah, this adult relationship, it makes me wonder, like, is this is this where humanity's going? Like, if our relationships are just based on what another person can do for us, and then technology keeps advancing to where we can just do for ourselves as much as we want, then that's pretty bleak. Mm-hmm. Like, this woman has no attachment. She's got no intimacy. She doesn't have love. Yeah. She doesn't have life. She's like a ghost. They all are floating through their existence, touching nothing, affecting nothing. Yeah, that bums me out, man. Yeah. Uh, like we are so much more connected now because of our smartphones and the internet and all the social media stuff, but we are so much more distant as well. Right. That's that's not wrong per se, but I'm really close to the people that I have connected with online. So I think it's less that we are distant to people in general and more that like now that we can like be friends or like grow these really close connections to other people, we don't really have to force ourselves to do that with the people around us if we don't particularly care for them, which isn't right. That's also kind of disappointing and I don't really like that aspect but I think it's way better than just the the alternative. It is a piece of technology, right? And this is commenting on this is us today, right? Like this is not some future. We are talking about people who are wholly online essentially. But anyways, okay, so it is all in how you use it, right? Like yeah. The like you're saying this uh technology it can alienate us from one another because we're looking at our phones and checking Twitter when we should be talking to the person across the table from us. But it can also connect people across this void and really humanize us. That's my online friends are like some of the greatest people that I have ever known. Maybe this has given me some hope. I think maybe uh I have a darker perspective because i lost a lot of friends in the last year just because of how many controversial issues were floating around and i guess it was disappointing because the friends i lost didn't value our friendship they didn't value the attachment more than an issue that they couldn't do anything about anyway Mm, that was just abstract i guess it just made me feel like uh it's fragile you know and like that's what comes up in this episode to me the show it does seem very fragile in like everything that ape does because it's like mm. you, every image of the plantation is like these shots of like these are strong like they're strong and penetrable they have these really strong franks to protect them but then you go inside and it's just it does seem really tenuous and fragile i was gonna say something that the, these kind of like adults remind me of a little bit is uh you know like the like 
Hikiko Mori phenomenon of, of kind of like shut-ins oh, yeah. that, you know, their parents take care of everything for them and they're just like playing video games all day or or whatever. And um, with the conversation we were just having about the internet, I, I do wonder if to what extent those people are having some sort of social relationships online or if they're even kind of not taking advantage of that aspect of the internet and, and, and are just kind of totally isolated. Mm. I mean, that's the darkest outcome and that's what these adults are, right? Yeah, I think that it's implied that even if there is, because we have they have communicators, I think it's implied that they just don't use them either because she's tired just talking to someone in person for a little amount of time. I, I kind of get the impression that it's like the the pleasure from the I, I don't know why I keep calling it the pleasure tube. It might but, as well be, but, but that that's uh, you know it's so off the scale of everything else that you know she no longer has motivation to do anything in life, and you know I think it's easy to from the outside say like oh like that seems horrible. But like, if that option was like available to all of us, it'd be very tempting. And, you know, you could kind of imagine a lot of people choosing to, to go down that path. And maybe in some ways we do choose to go down minor versions of kind of similar paths. That's, that's true. Like the idea that the prospect of just being able to like, I want to feel happy, make me feel happy. That does sound tempting, but it's like, that wouldn't, mean anything if i didn't have my friends with me like maybe maybe when you get the pleasure you just hallucinate like that's kind of like the only way i can imagine it working because i've just been surrounded by people all my life where it's like they could be they could have everything they could be really happy but like if they don't have someone there to enjoy it with them it doesn't really mean anything to them oh that's absolutely true our, our last shot in this episode we get uh, zero two looking into the mirror again right and like mm. the the first mirror is another person for most of human existence right prehistory mm. before we discovered things like mirrors you might see a reflection in a pool or something but like the mirror is another person and having another person there forces you to look back at your own actions uh in a way that you know if you're by yourself you never do so yeah like we provide meaning to each other's lives See, like, just by discussing this show together, it completely recontextualizes everything from watching it on your own. Mm. Yeah. The shared experience. Yeah. The universe experiencing itself. <laughs> oh, I totally agree with that, Brian. Um, so someone said it, it seemed really fragile inside of the dome, right? Uh, especially, like, the people. The, the climax... Oh, it's so awesome. The climax of this episode is where the adult or sorry Zorame is going off on his thing about like oh maybe we're connected you know i feel like these things and she reaches her hand up and almost touches him but i feel like if she did she would die <laughs> she would crumble into nothing like she can't they've gone so far past existing in the world they're not really part of the world anymore they're like ghosts like just touching something so real would be too much for her. And I think she would just crumble. But we don't get to see that. And instead we get this really sad shot where she just lowers her hand without Zorame noticing. Yeah, it's terrible. It's so disappointing or tragic or I don't know. Especially because of what it's implying, right? They never come out and say it, but the eyes, 
she knows mm-hmm. Zora May's code number 666. And mm-hmm. a couple of the ways that she responds, we're meant to believe that this is somehow like a genetic donor for Zora May, right? Mm-hmm. So like a potential mother, a mother figure that never materialized for him. Yeah. So in this scene, like there's more flashes again, this time on Zorome's side. And he says, you feel really familiar to me. And she doesn't necessarily say, no, we've never met. She says, this is the first time I've really met you. Hmm. So if she's like the birth mother, and then because it was part of a program, like people don't have cohabitation or couples. That's not common. We have an unusual couple here that we're seeing. And we have the flash that they had sexual intercourse. Oh. Uh, And so maybe that was just part of the program. So maybe the children aren't test tube babies, or maybe these children aren't test tube babies. Right. Like, because this is Frank's thing. They're an experimental squad. We don't know. They never tell us. But I feel like at the very least, the connection was just never made. The connection between this woman and Zorome doesn't happen. The connection between us and this world doesn't happen. We don't know what's going on. It's sad. It's a bummer. It also it, it reinforces that too. Like she says, like, oh, I, I can't protect you. You're protecting me. But like she shuts him down for the second time there. That's not the first time. The first time is when she says, like, oh, well, this is the first time I really met you. Or like you must be mistaken. She said something along those lines. Like she doesn't shut him down just once. She shuts him down twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zorome goes out on a limb. He's like asking, like, once this is all over, he starts to say, like, will you be my family? And he stops himself. Will you be my friend? She's like, scoffs. She's like, oh, no, of course, that couldn't happen. And I wondered what Ben thought of that. Well, I mean, I guess the first thing that pops into mind is that, you know, she knows that he has to to die for some reason or, you know, just that maybe it's going back to that thing about him being infected that these kids can't ever really live in the city right so i think they have this idea that kind of one day they're going to grow up and um, they'll be living in these cities and there will be like a new set of kids but but that there's some sort of uh ultimately different and, and maybe that goes back to the pet setting that these adults in the city don't don't actually think of them as being human um, or that they are somehow different than the adults in the city. Uh, Yeah. This is Uh, the question I want to ask. We're (laughs) at the point in the conversation now where I can ask this. Who's human in this show? Zero two is not human. Are the kids human? Are the adults human? I think that there are, three human people in the show as of right now and I, mm. and i'm going to disagree with you on this zero two is absolutely human yeah i think okay. zero two is human but i think all the pilots are human i think it is zero two i think it is hero and i think it is dr franks i think dr franks is human okay because he has a metal face <laughs> <laughs> he has prosthetics sure. uh and i don't know maybe Nana and Hachi, but I'm not sure. Okay. I think they're all, all the pilots are human. And if, if we can mark a, a demarcation point, I think all of them that weren't human became human when they found the photo of the previous team, because that's the moment they all knew 
that they were mortal, that they could die. That's a fair point. Yeah. So you guys are answering like existentially. And I think where I'm thinking is technically. Like, are these people, do they have 23 chromosomes and they could breed or are they genetically human? Like who in this show is like us genetically? I, I think it's all of that. But, but okay. I do think okay. it's like the way society is organized, it seems like the kids are somehow split off from these adults and that maybe within their framework, these kids don't really consider zero two to be the same as them. These adults don't really consider the, the kids to be the same. And I wonder if then this disease stuff is real disease stuff or if that's just like the, the adults looking down on them or something like that. Okay, so we all think different people are human <laughs> for very different reasons, which is interesting that we all are operating on different definitions of humanity. And that is a really common thing. I think everyone has to define for themselves what a human is. But your framework was better. Mine was stupid. Well, <laughs> it depends on what you're looking for. Um, genetics does play a factor, but is that what makes us human? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, I, I think it's very dangerous to think that there could be someone, you know, born a human that given their circumstance, you're denying them humanity. Mm -hmm getting into some eugenics shit there, well yeah right? i'm just saying like if you're if you're saying Man. that you need this knowledge of your own mortality to to be truly human then does that mean if someone does not have that knowledge they're not afforded the same you know whatever they that you're allowed to not treat them like they're not human i don't know hmm well see now i need to change my answer now they're all human okay <laughs> except for ape Okay, sure. I, um, I think that under the masks, they're actual apes. <laughs> well, you just take off the gorilla mask and there's just an actual gorilla there. I, I think that if you don't realize that you will die, you are missing part of the human experience. Um, I don't think that that uh, should permit anyone to treat those people any less than anyone else. Um, because ultimately it's an an unfalsifiable thing. I can tell you that I know that I'm going to die, but there's no way that you can know whether I believe it. You have to, at some point, trust me because we can't get into each other's heads. So that is, that is a good distinction to make though, Ben, like you can't treat someone differently. But you assume that they don't understand something that you think you do understand. We're going into the deep end on this episode. This is maybe the deepest episode we've had so far. Like, Mm -hmm. Zorame has his heart broken in a way that we have not seen before. Um, and he's humanized like, Oh my gosh, this episode is so good. Anyways. Uh, yeah, that was a really yeah. good question. What makes you yeah. human? All right. So mm -hmm. are we ready for some lighthearted punch out here. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so it gets revealed in a funny way, but Miku cares about Zorame. She was worried. <laughs> And she's going to sentence him to whatever a week of bathroom duty. And then she just can't help. Like she has to like watch him do it. And she's like been out of shape that he's enjoying it. <laughs> and like the narration starts. So we don't get to see like what she's like giggling about. 
but there's there's some back and forth going on and like she gets the the scrub brush to the face <laughs> and she's like gross which rightly so that's cute i dig it uh yeah and then the narration is zoro may and um you know it's it starts out kind of melancholy you know he doesn't get his answers but then he like it concludes with like he's over it like he's not pitiful like he's he didn't connect with her but he's connected whatever was unresolved is resolved and now he has several healthy attachments and they have their own way of connecting sure they they both enjoy the game uh and then it kind of ends on a dark note zero two is back in her room she has no roommates she's staring at the mirror and she's checking out her fangs Okay, so uh, Caplin, where can our listeners find your work? It is on fanfiction.net currently. That website still exists? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's just on fanfiction.net. It's called How the Cookie Crumbles. Mm, cool. And uh, if someone who is listening enjoyed Darling in the Frank, what would you recommend they watch next? I guess what I watched after I watched Darling and the Franks was I went and I finished up Eureka 7. Eureka 7 is another romance mecha. It has mm-hmm. giant surfing robots, so that's pretty cool. Cool. Awesome. What else was there? I think that's it. Oh, yeah. uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet at us, Pen Pen Pals Pod, uh, and you can send us an email if you want. Uh, uh, Gmail, uh, penpenpalspod at gmail.com. And Ben, before you go, are you still? Is Ben gone? No, he's here. I'm here. Anything new with algorithm? Uh, it's done. All Can right. Binge all twelve episodes. Does it have a happy ending? Uh, no. It's <laughs> very dark. <laughs> well, I've got some new images on my site at Life Jutsu about how, what, and why wellness is important. Awesome. Everybody, good. All right. Pen. Pen. Pals. Dolly. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks.